What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You're listening to New Hill Talks, a podcast for the members and regular attenders of New Hill Church. My name is Michael Meadows. I'm the lead pastor at New Hill Church. Mark Sherry, the pastoral candidate of the month. Gary Fox, associate pastor of the month, two months in a row. Ben Major, just hanging out. Jonathan Gooding, I don't have a title. <laughs> so you're just hanging out too? Jonathan, one heck of a good guy. Good looking, strong. The what charming, the, the ever charming. Well, I like that we have someone else with, you know, style at the end of the day. Like, I feel like me and Jonathan are, you know, we are the, the images. You guys really are. I'm actually embarrassed by the way I'm dressed right now. I'm willing to guess your wives dress you. That's all. You I'm think my, my wife dressed me? Yes. I think she, she probably buys your clothes every day and says, here, here we go, Michael. <laughs> Mikey. Here you go, Mikey. She <laughs> called me Mikey uh, this week. Actually, no. Maybe yeah, but she told you what you're gonna wear. In, no. <laughs> it might have been might have been my sister in law. Accidentally. No, they were like pretty much saying I'm like a child. It was a joke, but it was the first time I'd been called Mikey in forever. And then you go and do it. Hey, you guys know we have a new listener, right? This this podcast is growing exponentially. Is it another we, one of our family we members? We went from three to four, I think. <laughs> Peyton, a family member? Yeah. That's a twenty-five. That's a 25% that increase. is a twenty-five percent increase in one week. Wow. I think Peyton. Peyton says she's listening now, so we got to shout her out. Wait, three to four. That's actually thirty-three percent. So even better. Doesn't say he's good-looking, yeah. but he can't do math. But I, yes. he fixed it without any help. He got it. Listen, he's got. Does he have a call or something? Jonathan skates I, through life I with might, his good looks. Okay, I might, when you start something like that, getting into this. Oh man, anything new with you guys? What's been going on? No, here. Let me. We always say this. I'm gonna go around. Uh, if you're not reading anything, that's great. But um, you, you guys reading anything new? We'll go around. Ben, you reading anything? Book or not especially. Not especially. No. Okay. Just cool. queuing on well, stuff. It's all right. He's he's a. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're gonna get flagged now. <laughs> I'm gonna put this in the cloud. Um, but you're a writer. So do you write like frequently? Uh, like not, even like just your thoughts? You like type them out? Not nearly as often as I should. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't know he was a writer? Mm-mm. He's got books. We'll talk about it later, though. Not for real? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Again, we'll talk about it later. Well, I guess I'll be getting Ben's book uh, as my next book, but yeah. I am reading a few. I'm reading two commentaries on Zechariah, which are phenomenal so far. They're new, so I don't remember the names of the authors. Um, and then the other is Jesus on Every Page. What's that book? That is an awesome book that teaches you uh, 10 ways to find Christ in the Old Testament scriptures that he is the content of the entirety of the scripture. And that book is free on Hoopla. You can yeah. get the ebook free on Hoopla. If you don't know about Hoopla, yeah. we uh, I've mentioned it several times on the podcast uh, throughout the past couple years, but um, through your local library here in Medina, you get a card, and I think it's, we're a part of like the Cleveland libraries or whatever, so yeah. you should be able to, to get this app, download it, you register your card, and then there's a digital library. They have audio books and ebooks um, on there for you. And the, the ebook selection is, is unbelievable. Huge, like yeah. things like you would not find in our local library. Like Mark Dever's like Nine Marks books, a ton yeah. of those are on there. Uh, this book was on there. Huh. Just on a limb, I was like, I'll go out and do that, and then I'll have the ebook and I can read it. So I'm up in my bed on my phone trying to go to sleep, you know. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, my, my fourth book I'm reading. I thought you'd be impressed. The, 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 I'm very impressed. I'm just going to move past that quickly. No. What? <laughs> That I'm reading the book? Oh, you're actually reading it. I thought you said because you found it no, on Hoopla. I found it on Hoopla for free. So, so I'm able to read it on my phone, like when I'm in bed or if I'm downstairs, like on my iPad doing work and I want to like turn to it. I don't have to have the physical copy with me all the time. So how is it so far? It's all right. Yeah. Good. I bet read you $100 the, you read like the it. Preface, so. So. <laughs> I'm not far into it. So I'll, the book I'm reading right now, I'll go ahead and jump in just so I'm not like ignoring that book. That we're all re- So the pastors are reading that book together. Um, but I'm reading um, Systematic Short Studies, um, one of their, their books on the Holy Spirit, or the Trinity. I'm to the part of the Holy Spirit now, and it's been really good. Just just seeing a biblical understanding of the, the Trinity, um, I think it's such a confusing topic for many Christians. Just being able to articulate it, it's like you'll ask people, yeah, like we believe it, you know, one God, three persons, we get that. But like breaking it down in the relationship to one another, um, and how they, they have the titles and what that means to us. It's been really, really good. Uh, so then, I, like I said, I, I downloaded that book and I'm gonna start here soon, but that's what I've been in. And that's actually a five series, uh, five book series. Um, and I think it's based off the Westminster Confession. Nice. So they've got 
uh, faithful theologies, like the introduction to uh, biblical doctrine, the church, uh, the person of Christ, uh, the Trinity, and attributes of God. Hmm. So that's five of them. But I think it's all based out of the Westminster uh, Confession. That's awesome. You know, you and I get credit for another book. When Gary and Simon go back, back and forth on thread messages, we get, like, per day we read one book. It's like an education. So it, it really is. What are you reading, Gary? Well, everything's revolving around school, so. But in my one class, we've been going through a lot of C.S. Lewis stuff, so just finished Screw Tapes Letters and. Screw Tapes Letters are great. Screw Tape Letters. And then, uh. <laughs> mere Christianity. <laughs> listening to. What? Nothing. Keep going. You like Revelations? <laughs> I do love Revelations. I do. Revelation 20. Hey! Let's One of the talk greatest about that passages one. ever. It's all symbolic. It's all, yeah, right. Um, no, jo- we've, we've got a lot of joking here. If you've got questions about like what we're joking about, you can send them in if you're confused, if we're symbolic or literal. But anyways, um, so what what are you reading? The, the one that's uh, C.S. Lewis. What else are you reading from C.S. Lewis? Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity. Dude, good. that one, one. Oh my goodness. It's good, but I'm like, I can't keep up with that. It's that, very uh, philosophical. Very yeah. I will sit there and reread a sentence like eight times and I'm like, what is going on? And like, Definitely it's just his English and, and like, yeah, the way he, he's wording things is, is really profound and makes you like, you know, like sometimes we talk about, um, like even in like group settings, like some of the questions or um, the study, is, it's pretty simple. Man, you open up Mere Christianity and you'll be like thinking about like the implications of what he's saying. Right. I mean, forever. I mean, it's 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 greatly well, impacted great the thinker. church. You he know, I mean, great really. thinker. Yeah. Great thinker. So yeah, that's been really good. And I think the problem with some of his, his writings is, is people take it. Like he's trying to get you to think, right? He's yes. not a theologian. He's like he's not writing down. Yeah, yeah, he's not writing down doctrine. I met with a guy, um, he's a, uh, a leader of one of the churches here in Medina, and he told me that he didn't believe in hell, and part of it came from C.S. Lewis's writings. Yeah, and I'm like, C.S. Lewis, just because you know he's writing some things down to make you think, doesn't mean that he doesn't believe in hell. Right. And, and, and actually, like, yeah, he believed in eternal hell. You can go and you can you can look up, you know, the, his life and things that he said. Um, but you go to to read some of his books and you take that as like literal. Like he he's trying to get you to think. He's very philosophical, as, as you're saying. So right. I think some people they take their doctrine from there instead of the Bible. And I'm like, he, so even if he believed that and he had some good books about some thoughts, to deny eternal hell is like absolutely unbiblical and bizarre to me. It's just good philosophical apologetics. Yeah. I mean, he's just talking about like, like all all of humanity recognizes that there there are moral laws, right. and they're pretty common. There there are some distinctions between some different cultures and things like that, but I don't know really. I don't think there's any cultures where like, if you're having sex with a man's wife, you know that that's going to go well. Right. You know what I mean? Or if you lie to him or steal from him, right? right? So humans have this. Innate. innate, like this yeah. sense of law, and it's a law. It's law written on their like they, like they will come and kill you because it is so sacred. What you, yeah. so, what's the word? What what was violated was so sacred. So his big point is like there's laws of gravity, there's laws and these moral laws, and because they're univer- basically universally accepted, it certainly would seem to indicate that there's a moral law giver, right? Where would that come from? Where in nature? Like if you look at hurricanes and if you look at tornadoes, if you look at earthquakes and natural phenomenon, or you look in the animal kingdom, you don't pick up moral law. There is like, but yet it's very real to us. Yeah. So we're not because a lot of times the secularists will say, "Well, that's something that is, has evolved." And we, where did it evolve from? It didn't evolve from nature. And you all are saying everything comes from nature. Well, there's none of that in nature. None of it. A lion will kill a little, you know, little animal and eat it, and he he's not he's not worried about the hopes and dreams of that little animal he killed, right? Mm-hmm. It's not on his mind. It's, right. it, there is no. So his whole big point is that there's something supernatural at work there, right. which necessitates a more. And I think, and I, I wrote one of my papers that I think in apologetics, like right now, we've kind of gotten away from that line of reasoning because we we tend to think like that people are rejecting the concept of morality. 
And what I'm saying is that we've rejected kind of maybe what you call traditional morality in some ways, but we've just changed the, what we're considering our, our, our sins. So now it's racism and sexism and bigotry and opp uh, oppression of the poor and all of these things, right? So even, even they're still holding on to this law, this moral law. So they're not. So we need to get back to pointing that out to them instead of arguing some of these finer points of whether or not it's actually immoral to to whatever. Um, get past that with them and say, look, the bottom line is that you believe that's a law, and yet you don't believe there's a lawgiver, and right. that's inconsistent. Right. Yeah. I think it's a good point to make. That is good. So the C.S. Lewis books you're reading, what class is that for? It's just, I don't know what the name. The, the, is it a Bible? Analyzing C.S. Lewis or something like that. You know, this I mean? class. So it's like an elective you're taking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You're finishing up. How many classes do you have left? You're like right on here. My last right? three. Math. Your last three. One on C.S. Lewis, and then I'm in a class. You're in math. Wow. Don't eat. Yeah. It's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know. If College you know. level math is off the chart. Do you remember? I don't know. Did you guys have math in? Yeah. yeah. Like what kind of math? Stupid. You're not doing accounting, right? No. My it's accounting like, class was the worst. I took that twice at Liberty and finally like, got through. Ridiculous. But, um, but then I'm taking a class in Second Amendment as well. And that's like, it's almost like each week is a different booklet hmm. that we're reading through. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Instead of one textbook. And that's really good too. Do you find like, these ebooks? Or do you have to read them? They have them on ebook. That's I, great. I listen to oh, them. That's cool. They provide them. I listen to, I listen hmm. to them. That, that helps me a lot because there's so much reading to do. Yeah, no but, doubt. But yeah, and that's that's interesting stuff too. Like, not only like when you read because that it's on the Second Amendment, not just the whole Bill of Rights. That class is just a Second Amendment class, and it's talking about like, obviously, you know, there's some big questions as to like what's a well-regulated militia and how did the founders understand that. So then reading a reading there, so like George Mason and these guys who were involved in the writing of the Constitution. That's not all they wrote. They were writing all kinds of stuff. So you by reading their other writings and debates that they would have and so forth, you pick up on what, how were they using these terms? And so it's pretty, I think the Supreme Court has been very consistent saying, no, no, this is dealing with the individual's right to bear arms because that's what they thought and that's what they meant by these terms. So anyway, that's been a good class too. Cool. So. How about you, Jonathan? Well, the latest thing I'm reading is uh, Anti-Nicene Fathers. It's a collection of early Christian writings, first century all the way up until 325, the Nicene Council. Nice. And what, what's something that's stood out to you so far? Well, it, it's interesting. The reason why I, I picked it is because um, I like to look at um, look at different points of theology, and um, I know that uh, Catholic theologians and Orthodox Greek, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Eastern Orthodox Eastern, yeah. theologians draw heavily upon the early church writing. They they call the, yep. the early church fathers. So just trying to get a, a I don't know, get a feel for what was going on in the minds of first century Christians. So you're reading about the Trinity, and he's reading about the Anti-Nicene Fathers. It took them 300 years to come up with and articulate what we three persons and one God language. You know, we take it for granted, but that was something that was debated heavily. Sure. Like, that was the issue. That and the dual natures of Christ... Mm -hmm. How does that work? Is that Nestorianism or is that Eutychianism? The dual nature. Nestorian? What, what are, what I believe it's Nestorian. The, yeah. Nestorian. What, yeah. What are some of the church fathers that they highlight? So one of the, uh, one of, and Marcion is probably the Marcion. most notable. Oh, who, we actually believe that there were two different gods. There right. was a god of the Old Testament and a god yes. of the New Testament. They said they were totally, totally different. Right. Um, so he's probably the most notable of, of, the, of and, the early ones. And he took a pair of scissors to the mm -hmm. scriptures. And he a lot said of that, some that the Old Testament was the, book of the, was the book of the Jews and the, the New Testament was, was, was the Christian God. But, but, he, religion. Religion. Like, but he, didn't, he didn't accept all the New Testament canon. He did not. No, not, he that's another. Books. Sure, no, and that's another, that's another uh, debate or discussion that, mm -hmm. that, that uh, took shape over, over How a few hundred years. Canon. Yeah. Sure, yeah. You know, yep. I met a guy right here at the Cigar Lounge one time that uh, he might have been coming to study for a little bit, but he argued with me that we today, the church, is only supposed to read part of the New Testament. Is it yeah. Paul's letters? The rest is for Jews? Who 
who knows? No, seriously. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe that's what he said. Maybe or? we're only supposed to, the gospels and not maybe, Paul. I know Paul's yes. under attack yeah. big time. Yeah, but like he had no problem with Paul. It's just that Paul was writing. See, no, see, no, see, Paul's letters because that was to the Gentiles, right? See, so, like, so, so we're only oh, supposed we're only yeah. supposed to read Paul's letters. Epistles, yeah. So, like when I like we were going through um, maybe the gospel, one of the gospels, and and he's like, yeah, this it's really just not for us. He told me that. Yeah, yeah. I never heard that view, like and I found out there's like, like all that stuff was for the pot. Like that was not for us. Yeah, there's a big uplift or, or a recent resurgence of people who have that mentality. So, like Andy Stanley said, we need yes. to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. So, hey, really don't spend seventy percent of the Bible is made up of Old Testament. Don't spend your time there. The New Testament is what's valuable. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think we're all under the understanding too, like. The God, like if you have a new believer come in, we'll start you with a gospel, like one of the gospels, sure. to help you understand it. But like, even I know uh, Brother Ted from church is, um, you know, when he disciples people, he takes them through uh, one of the gospels, and I think Zechariah, he makes yep. a connection of like the Old Testament talking about Jesus. Yes. So he'll, he'll do both. So it's one of the gospels, and then you know the Old Testament book that's talking about Jesus. So you can connect those dots, and I think that's great. Like even yeah. there, like but if you start with the gospel, like it makes sense, right, for like a new believer. Yeah. But man, to like the divorce the Old Testament is just to divorce, I mean, really all of our faith. So that tells us there's nothing new under the sun. It goes all the way back to Mars. I say it, Marcy. Marcian? Marcy. Marcy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We're not as smart as we think we are because they were talking about that 1,700 years ago. Very Way brief. more articulate <laughs> than, oh, yeah. than we are. Yeah. yeah. So very briefly, we're we're back into Acts. It's our second week. Uh, back into the Acts of the Apostles. We were in Acts chapter eight, um, verses nine through twenty-four. I think I read verse twenty-five in um, at least one of the services, maybe both of them. But um, we'll pick up there again. We'll read that again this week. But um, what's what's something that stood out to you guys, or you know, just something that was like notable as we read through that really good passage? I mean, we're seeing the gospel continue to spread. We're seeing the Great Commission fulfilled. Um, you know, can, can you remind us your points? Because you're very thoughtful in summarizing the themes of each passage you preach. And for whatever reason, like I can remember one or two, but can you remind us what those are? That you made this past week. This past week, you might two have, days ago. Yeah, you might have gotten me on that. <laughs> this, this this week. This Th- week. No, I know. Two days ago. Yes. Yeah. So, um, man, I'm, ha- I'm drawing a they're, blank. They're they're always very thoughtful. They're right on. They're right and on target. They're yeah. So they're, they're so memorable. They're they're like, I can't remember, remember them <laughs> except to Michael. Mike. <laughs> hey, here, everybody here was at church. Yes. You guys tell me what it was. I, I'm asking because I need. To refresh my memory, I'm not a note taker, so I I, I don't. I, I, I started right now. <laughs> I started in the journal. It's like you ask your kid, "Would you?" Want I didn't to bring my backpack, heart, so uh, was it the, the the heart, the idols, the heart? Oh yeah, the gospel, the gospel confronts, confronts our idols, idols, heart, and, and perspective. Perspective. Thank yeah. you. See, so idols. Obviously, Simon was an idol, even to himself. He made himself an idol, uh, really a god, um, not the sim- simply an idol. Yeah, I mean, like they. They said that this man is the power of God, hmm. um, and notice not this man contains uh, like some form of power or uh, some form of God's power. They attributed like when we talk about God's attributes, God isn't just gracious; He is grace. God right. isn't hmm. isn't just uh, um, merciful; well, He is mercy. He well, isn't yeah. just loving; He is love. Um, they didn't say he was powerful. They said he is power, mm-hmm. the power of God, um, which is crazy. Like when you, you think about that wording, um, then it moved on to heart because Simon wasn't truly changed at the heart. So Peter uh, addresses that. And then the perspective changes. We don't know for sure that Simon uh, truly believed, um, but he believed I, in something. I, sure. I, I seem to believe like there, there's something about his, his turn, at least his changed perspective there where he says, pray for me to the Lord. That well, he definitely saw power, real power. Yes. And went, whoa. I don't have that. You know, yeah. I'll like, pay you for I it. want that. That So he recognized, and there's a lot of people that are like that, yeah. where they don't deny. Like they want to use God for their own purpose. So in a sense, they're not denying there's a God. They're not denying he's a miracle worker. They want to manipulate it for their purposes and for their aggrandizement or for their whatever. 
So there, so in a sense, you could be a believer, quote right, but not a follower, not a disciple. You're not surrendered to Christ. You just recognize His power. And I believe Simon was demon possessed, so the demons inside of him knew who Jesus was and knew who these apostles were, and recognized that's real power. And if I could buy that, if I could get my hands on that somehow, then imagine what I could do. Imagine what they'd say about me then. Right. Well, and Jesus prophesies that false. Christ yes. will arise, and we know that Christ is the power of God. So here is a man essentially proclaiming himself to be yes. Messiah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I'm not exactly sure where he was, where he ended. I think you can make a good argument, but there is some element of Jesus' parable, the sower and the seed here, yes. where the the seed falls on probably I don't know if it's the hard ground or the shallow ground. I mean, it, it's not as if. The word was snatched right from him, like the birds plucking off the hard ground. It seemed to take some kind of root, uh, embed itself in there, and then it fizzled out very quickly. So right. that, that's when I think of Simon, I think he falls in that spectrum of the first two types of uh, soil. Yeah, so I mean, to me it would be like the, the part of the head. Like he had the knowledge, but he didn't have the heart change, which is where it, it goes to where Peter specifically con confronts him, is at the heart. So I would say, yeah, you're right. I think that's a great comparison because it was just in the head. And we know that you can answer all of the biblical questions right. Like you can go through and, and know all doctrine, right? You could And you could, in a sense believe in the reality of them. Yeah. And be unsubmissive to them. Yeah. Because you your heart hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah, you've not no. surrendered to Christ. I want to use this for my I want to twist it. Yeah. So they're not he's not denying it that it's that it's hopeless focus. No, I think it's real. Right. But right. I'm not surrendering. I want it to surrender to me. I want to have mastery over that that's a, Holy Spirit. That's a good point. And for those who struggle with assurance of salvation, who, who are truly believers, um, you know, at the end of the day, unless you're doing something like what Simon is doing, unless you think God is like magic and you can buy him with your money, earn his favor, right. procure something of him, I don't think it's fair to, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm sinning and I'm bound up in the goal of bitterness and sin. And I think we want to be careful because uh, assurance is is uh, important to maintain as a Christian. We don't want false assurance, but I know people struggle with this. Oh, yeah. And we want to be careful that you don't want to make a one-to-one -one comparison necessarily with yourself and Simon. Well, yeah, it, it's so easy, I think, for, for Christians to do that. And just remembering, like, if you're under that conviction, like, you're worried, maybe you got it wrong, the likelihood of it being you is, is not, that, that's not the case. Like, I, I, I can't, like, say that with, you know, full assurance of, like, because I don't know your heart. Right. But, like, the people who are, like, wor like, did I get it right? Like, did I do these things right? It's like, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart? Like, I don't understand. Like, is Jesus your Lord? Like, and again, we talked about that Sunday. It's like, he's not just Lord. But is he your Lord? Right. So that's, it's like, that's the point you made. And, yeah. and, and I think, like, for the Christian, let that be, like, encouraging to you. It's yeah. like, you know, God's done something in you, and, and you're feeling that for a reason. It's like, because right. there's a sense, like, the enemy could be using it to make you have some kind of false sense of assurance or uh, some false doubt, right? Like, where you're, you're doubting something that is very clear and evident in your life. But it can also be comforting and being reminded that, like, you know, you were once in his shoes, right? Yeah. And, and God saved you from that. And you don't have to dwell on that. Like you, you get to, to submit yourself to the Lord each and every day. That's obedience and it's active obedience at that. So each and every day pursuing God and trying to seek out um, your sanctification through his word and by his power. Yep. So. Yeah. It's always been a struggle of mine. Um, I've been, uh, I guess, uh, academically inclined, at least since college, I was pretty much a, a loser in high school <laughs> but um was <laughs> but um, tell me more about how many books you're reading <laughs> not not his Dork. caliber of <laughs> but I, I i think i i think i find personally i think i find certain types of theological studies to be a snare for me because i get i get i, I dig down and I, I look at the nuts and bolts of it and that can can speak at least partially intelligently about you know, talk about homoousius or homoousius you know right. talking about um, you know the nature of of, uh, of the father and and the son but like you guys are saying where's where's my heart 
you know, I can talk about all these, you know, these academic and these laws. Like, what's the point? Where's my heart? What right. am I doing day to day? Where, like, what, how am I oriented? How am I acting? How does how that I, understanding affect anything? Right. How am I treating my, my friends, my, right. my, my wife, my children? Like, and it's, and again, I think it's, it's it, in the past has been, has been a snare for me. I get, I get um, wrapped up in, and wanting to be right, but you know, where where's my heart? You know, right. My heart wanting to know the truth or wanting to be right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. you know, I like I don't know like your case particularly, you know, um, but I, I do think that there's moments where it's like a Christian can be confronted with a scripture like this and, and the conviction isn't um, coming from a place of are you saved? Like I think God's maybe working on your on, on our hearts and where are we lacking? Um, because maybe we're not fully uh, pursuing this relationship. Right. Um, and this is something where it goes into not just drinking, but Paul, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, being filled, like fully, like so you've got the Spirit, but like there's the, the, the reality of the verse, don't quench the Spirit. Um, so like when we're not living in community with other believers, when we're not actively praying to God, like, you know, Paul says be constant in prayer. Um, when we're not... Um, reading the word and not just a sense of like obtaining knowledge, but of, of seeking transformation, um, all of those things. I, so I think like when we feel those convictions, that should be a time of reflection, not, not particularly, am I saved? Like, I think you can move past that pretty quick as a believer. Like, okay. Yeah. Maybe the enemy's trying to tell me I'm not saved, but Jesus is my Lord. I know that he paid the price. I've completely believed in the gospel. I've surrendered myself to it, but um, where am I lacking in faith? Um, how am I lacking in obedience? And you know, like that's with, with communion as we took it this week. And I think everything was, was building up to that. Mm. If you're not a believer, be confronted with that. Your eternity is hell bound. Like you are, you are heading for hell right. apart from Christ. So you do need to repent and, and believe in the gospel. Uh, but to, to believers, confront your sin, confront your disobedience, confront your rebellion, um, and confront anything that stands in the way of you um, actively obeying God and his word. Um, and, you know, that's something that we need to, again, actively do. So if you go like a whole week and you don't think about your sin or your salvation or whatever for a whole week, it's just Sunday to su- Sunday, you don't think about it, but then you come back in on Sunday morning, I guarantee you you're going to feel uh, a lack of faith or you're going to feel... Um, a place of discomfort because mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't actively obeying God, the God of your salvation, um, but one day a week. So like you're gonna feel that conviction the moment you walk in the door. Like there's Sundays, I literally unlock the door and I'm like, man, like I pastorally probably did great this week, but like in my own walk with Christ could have done better. And like you feel that, but you confront it and overcome it. And this next week we actively obey Him because He's given us the power to overcome those. Um, struggles through the week because he's gospel. given us a spirit yeah law and gospel i mean seriously it's, it's, it's like it's like lifting weights so if you if you start lifting and your muscles tear and you're used to carrying a weight let's call that assurance um you have to maintain a certain behavior to be able to carry that i mean that's just the reality and then if you walk away from it for months and you come back you're like oh i can't lift this i can't so you come in not exercised, yeah, and it's and it's very difficult well, to what get is, back. What into does Paul that. talk about? He talks about it being a race, right? Yeah. And he and he says, you know, uh, talks about a lot about endurance. And yeah, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Right? Yeah, and and so often you'll find people, especially new believers, or maybe you're you're confronted with the conviction that you're not actively obeying him. Am I saved? So then you sign up for everything that you can do right. as quick as you can, as if that's going to merit some kind of favor with right. God. And it's not, and you're going to get burnt out. You're you're not going to feel any better about it. But right. it's like what you said. It's it's a marathon, and and we're running it together. We're not trying to beat anybody. We're just trying to finish the race. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I don't care if, if if a brother or sister's ahead of me in their walk with Christ, and you know, like it seems like they're ahead of ahead of me. We actually, if you're ahead of somebody, you were called to, to bring them along, right? This this race together. So it's a, a great comparison. It's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. And for me, I love sprinting. Like, me like too. legit. Like, yeah, I, 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 I would rather sprint yeah. a mile and be done. Um, but there's something good, like even for your your physical health of like the endurance, like just building it up and building it up. Spiritually, we just don't care about that anymore. Can we be clear that sprinting a mile is not sprinting? That's to me, that's like running a marathon. 
That's like just a, saying, I can sprint me, like, that's like a, a football penalty. field, <laughs> and that's it. That's what, a death sentence. What's your best mile time? Dude, I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't like, I, I wasn't a judging mile. a mile since I was in, like, seventh grade. I mean, I pretty much jogged slash walking. It was, like, ten minutes. I, yeah. I could, I don't know, I maybe could do it in eight minutes now. Okay. What's yours? My best time your ever. Your best time 559. ever. 5.59. So I, I, no, no, sorry, six flat, six flat. My father-in-law got 5.59 and obviously significantly older than me and I gave up. We were doing this um, maybe right before Aubrey and I got married and I was trying to prove something. And when I got to six flat, I was like, he can, he can take that and run. Like, Legend loser's never gonna right beat there. me. Is he the one person that beat you in a race? Well, we didn't, like it was just, we sent each other our times. Um, there's a lot that could beat me. I'm, could Luke beat you? So, so here's what we're talking about too, like a race. I'm not, we're not racing a mile. So like when I've raced right. people before church, it's happened. It's a few yards. Yeah, yeah we're, we're running like, it's probably a 40 yard, yeah. You know what I mean? Like 40 yard dash. So. Could he beat you? Who? Luke? Luke, Luke Weeks? Yeah. No. I don't know that Luke would even you like to run. You money on that, Gary? Man. <laughs> I don't even think that Luke would say he's fast. I don't know. Luke would probably just punch me. <laughs> He's the nicest guy, but he he is he 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 can move, man. What have you seen him move? I've seen him do well. Him and Calvin have gotten after it. He's had to chase him down. Oh, he's comparing his ten-year-old son to, <laughs> to an adult. So yeah, yeah. contrast. Well, I've, I've just seen him like go like from a standstill to like a full-blown sprint, pretty darn quick. Well, we have to find out this Sunday for sure. I would. <clears throat> That'd yeah, I don't know. So this is weird for me because I was never He's got very that long fast legs. as a kid. So Luke's got long legs too, man. So, dude, that means he's he, he can he can move. A lot of running, just like any any athleticism uh, or athletic ability, you've got to have form. Like with basketball, you put me in like a five on five game, and like I could kind of figure it out with my team and and you know our strengths and stuff. Uh, but if we're just shooting, I'll do a lot better. So like five on five, I've got a lot of weaknesses that'll get exposed. But if we're just playing horse, I could probably beat a lot of people because it's form. Like I'm sitting there, I don't have anybody in my face, just right. a shot. So form. <clears throat> so same thing with you know with the race. Luke might run fast, but like the form's what's gonna get me. Like if he learned the form, he would beat me because the long legs or whatever. But that'd be interesting. Maybe his hair would slow him down. Form. <laughs> it's all about posture. Like a wind, like wind resistance. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Pastor G? I thought it'd be good. Let's talk about uh, demons. The demons. Topic of demons, and then maybe we can get into the relationship between the demonic and occult, the occult movement, the occult practices. Okay. And what you know, what what's up with that type of thing. What's what up with it? it? All right, uh, de- well, demons first. Yeah, what are they? They are children of the Nephilim. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a good segue out of this passage. That it is. On with demonic activity. That's what had me thinking about it. It was like, you know, Simon the Magician and that sort of thing. And apparently manifesting certain powers that had bedazzled everybody. And so... What, so what are demons? Yeah, back up all the way to the beginning. So where did they come from? Yeah, so do you guys believe, I'll ask you first, do you believe that they are fallen angels? I do uh, believe that. I don't necessarily know of other options. So when so God created everything very clearly. And I know he did not create demonic evil creatures. So I would logically... Did he create evil? He did not create evil. Okay. No. So God. So naturally, he wouldn't good. create evil things. No. God did not no. create evil. God did not create evil. He is not the author, uh, in a culpable way, himself creating things that are evil, right from the beginning. I would. I would definitely so, agree. So that I want to. I want to clarify that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I, I have no. I mean. There's, there's a passage that says that I, I make peace and create evil. And so he's... So that, yes. So... so if, you think God, more, if you're saying he's morally culpable, I agree. He, no, he's not morally that, culpable. That's, evil. that's what I mean by yeah. that. So God is ordained. Yeah. Um, he creates disaster, the passage you quote from in Isaiah. But yeah, so when God created uh, the angels, man, all the creation, um, 
apparently, and again, some of these passages like Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, I'm not completely sold that they refer directly to, uh, you know, fallen angels and Satan himself. I'm not like the king of Babylon, the king of Tyre. That's another topic. But what I will say is that uh, Satan, the head of the demon uh, lead, you know, the, the group, he is the seed of the serpent. And so we see from the very beginning that the seed of the serpent is at work as a theme in scripture. There's a seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, and the demons are categorized in the seed of the serpent. So that's my two cents on the beginnings. What, what do you guys think? Well, I go to the Pastor G. The expert. So, <laughs> so the question Gary. is to where they came from, I'm not positive. I do tend to think there's a distinction between fallen angels and demons mm-hmm. um, for a couple reasons, but in creation the, or just in, in in what's the word class, class or what sure. category? So so if they're not fallen angels, I'm not sure what then what they would be. Well, do you have like any theory? So so what I'm saying, I tell you what I was we're, taught, we're not saying this is concrete. What I was taught at this point. Well, you guys, your heads are really going to spin. What I was taught in my dispensational. <laughs> My dad and, and the dispensational church that I came from was that there was a pre-Adamic creation between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2. And that's where the dinosaurs came from. That's where they were. And that possibly either the demon... That, so, so they would say that demons are disembodied, disembodied. So at one point they had a body. They're disembodied evil spirits that were destroyed in, when, in Genesis 1, 2 where the earth became formless and void, and possibly that they were like what we would call like Neanderthal men or something, whatever. Like they're, they're not, they would speculate as to what bodies they were in, but that they were, they're now disembodied, and that's why they seek to possess people now. Hmm. Like they desire to, and so they'll even possess animals like pigs. They, they want to be in a body. So I, I, I'm not going for all that. What I what I do struggle with thinking they're automatically <laughs> that they're automatically fallen angels is that I I can't I don't see examples of angelic beings having the capacity or the ability to possess anybody. Hmm. Can Satan? That's a good question. I mean, yeah, he went in. Did he he went into Judas Iscariot, didn't he? Yeah, and he is a yeah. fallen angel. He is a fallen angel. Well, and, so and that there, could be. And there are elect angels. So. If you make the statement that angels are elect, you'd have to conclude that there are non-elect angels. That's where that's where I get that from. That their origins are angelic in nature. It could be. It maybe could. maybe demons came from Adam and Eve's seed before the fall. Definitely. I mean, that would fix Bingo. the whole federal head argument. <laughs> Bingo. No. So, I, but I'm not real sure about what, what they are. Um, if they could be fallen, definitely, very well, could be fallen angels. Um, they're definitely evil spirits. They definitely have the ability to possess non-Christians and oppress Christians. But they're um, without form. Yeah, I would... Physical form. Have you guys heard... Okay, so the predominant teaching is that when Satan fell, he drew a third of the angels. Sure. It's from, from the yeah, again, that's that's from Revelations. No, Revelation. And I, I'm, not, I'm not yet convinced of that uh, with that passage. But that is, I think, the predominant view. Oh, he sure. drew a third of the angels right. down with him. Right. That's the answer that I would give if you asked me. Yeah. That's pretty much bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah, that's very common. And so, whatever they are, though, it's something that it's almost like I feel like within Christendom, there's either like this hyper fascination with mm-hmm. demons, and everything's a demon. Demon of this. Demon of lust. A demon of gluttony, a demon of this, a demon there's a demon of Medina that, that rules over Medina and every area has their own and they have this whole system where there's this over fascination with demons or we don't talk about demons, Yeah. we don't talk about it, I mean we may talk about the devil but we don't really, it's like it sounds weird, it's like oh now we're going to talk about flat earth and we're going to talk about Easy. You know, like it's like that category. So we, it's weird. In other words, it falls into the weird category. It's like uh, I don't want to get into this. Like scientists are discovering the bones of giants and demons and this. It's like or aliens. It like falls into that category. So we want to be reasonable uh, people that are accepted in the world, and so we don't want to talk about these weird things 
like demons and all this kind of stuff. Which is so good because the world pretty much believes in spirits and stuff. Too. They do. Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. But, no, we, I but, we wanna, but we want to. That's another issue. <laughs> the whole seeker modern evangelicalism is like an echo chamber of talking to them, trying to impress mm. each other because the world isn't talking about the stuff they we're talking about. Like they, they, you will find non-Christians more quickly believing in demons than you probably will half the churches that's these true. days. That's probably true. You know what I mean? Because you talk to anybody who's messing around with LSD or mushrooms or any kind of psychedelics, and yeah. they frequently report yeah. seeing oh, yes. and experiencing some kind of supernatural entities mm-hmm. that are doing things. And sometimes you'll even have them have the same experience where three or four of them are tripping, and they all saw the wall start to melt and things coming out of the walls and weird, you know. So maybe that's just all a psychological thing. Maybe there's nothing to it. But it makes me wonder if there is not some kind of barrier that that, that gets inhibited through those drugs that you're then able to perceive certain things. The Bible's kind of silent on that, so it's all speculation. Whispers. But well, so those are the two dynamics. Revelation talks about pharmakia. Yes, warns against shamans. Like this is there is witchcraft. It is witchcraft. It is absolutely witchcraft. Yeah, Yeah, it warns against against using you know hallucinogenics and and stuff like that because it seems it's yeah it seems to imply that there there is an absolute um, spiritual component to this. Yes, absolutely. Open up dimension or something like that. Or some some. Direct link to uh, 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 the spiritual world in a in a very negative negative way. And interesting that you you mentioned you know is it uh, hocus pocus or these people you know they're just seeing things that aren't there. Um, occultism was kind of introduced in yes. the U.S. around the 70s. You know it became um, a very popular thing to sort of explore. And I know family yeah. members who Dennis Leary and all that stuff. yes yeah and that, you know, well Alistair Crowley yep. And, drug, uh, yeah, drug culture. Anton LaVey, all that stuff came yep. out of San Francisco and mm-hmm. all that drug culture, yeah. And, and and people would get together, you know, in the 70s and have parties and they would have seances and stuff like that because yep. it, it was the new thing. And I know family members who participated in seances and they said that it was very, very strange. Yes. And it was not just a, a psychological phenomenon. Right. It was something... Was happening. happening. For real. Yeah. Yeah, very real. Like, very, I'm very wary of, of stuff like that. That kind of stuff... Yeah, gives me and gives like, me the creeps. You said like when you open up your your perception when you take stuff like that, like it is. I, I would say probably very similar to having a barrier or a curtain taken down, and you can see what you can normally, whether or not that's psychological or actually scientific. I yeah, or that. somehow like your perceptions are <laughs> inhibited that would that would keep you from being open to the like. In other words, in your natural, you, you're not you're you're looking at things naturally. But when you're tripping, and, uh, you speak know, to Ben's point. That that is a common that is a common report among people who, who um, will take mushrooms or LSD yeah. or something like that. They said, "I saw the world for what it really, really yes. was." Yeah, yeah. that's yes. a big yes. thing. You listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. He'll have guys on there all the time. What do they call it? There's something. Um, I don't know if it's a drug that they're doing or what, but it's that. DM- DMT. DMT. Oh, DMT. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, he's the DMT prophet. Yeah, that's what it is. is. He loves and it's DMT. like you take this, and then you begin to have these encounters, and they're spiritual in nature, and they'll tell you they're spiritual in nature, and they're profound, and you see the they world say for what like, it is. They say things like "Don't look in the mirror, or you'll ruin yourself yes. psychologically forever." Just totally bizarre things. Right. They're so. And, and there, there are less. <laughs> there, there are less overt manifestations of demons as well. I mean, often they come as angels of light. Yes. So that's something that the modern church is missing when something appears very good and really behind it's demonic. <clears throat> there are <clears throat> excuse me, doctrines of demons. You can't get married. You can't eat this kind of food. Yes. I mean, there are churches who... They they have doctrines of demons. Yes, and oh, yeah. they don't even know it. They call it the law yeah. in their own sense. Don't you cannot get married. Priests cannot get married. Right. Guess who invented that? Demons. Yes. yes. So it's I you know it's an interesting thing that they're that they're they're real. They exist. And then the question is is like to what degree should we be concerned about that? Um, and then how. How do demons interact with people? What's what? Or are they actively about, at work? Right. Are they actively at work? Does it matter? Like, can you open yourself up? Let's take drugs you, off the table. 
What about Ouija boards and tarot cards? Yes. yes. And what are you, astrology. What are you, all is that just funny games? Horoscopes. Do we the fundamentalists make that into a way bigger deal than it is? The interesting thing is game? the occultists don't think don't think it's fake. The occultists will oh, no. swear by it that it that it no. is. And I don't believe that they're lying. I don't mm-hmm. believe that they're yeah. lying about that. Not all of they them. experience yeah. real palpable things. What do you guys think about um, some people try to uh, draw a correlation between um, uh, demons or demon possession and psychological I was illness. just going to ask that. Is there a connection there? What about other illnesses? Well, yeah, I mean, in the New what Testament, about an issue of blood? There, there, there were yes, young we have spirits, examples of this. blind spirits. Yes. I mean, there were ma- the demons the who, was, who was chained up, who took rocks, mm-hmm. yes, cut, cut himself. We have, power. we have cutting in our culture that that yeah. people who are yeah. who are mentally disturbed who cut themselves, and we have an example of that. In the or New they'll Testament. have incredible Hulk-like strength, yeah, where he's breaking these chains. They can't bind the guy. It's in I, the cave. And I can say that, I, and this is anecdotal, obviously, but I've had personal experience with with an individual who was who had what's called a manic episode, and. I can tell you that it's looking at the individual during this this psychological episode is 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 very strange. Like their their face changes, mm-hmm. their eyes change. It's almost like it's a different person entirely. Right. Yeah. So and it's a, it's it's the closest thing that I could attribute to what would be called demonic possession that that, right. that I've ever seen. So Jonathan, you sent me a word. Physiognomy. I had to look at phys- physiognomy. Okay, physiognomy. So, yeah. so so I was at the abortion clinic uh, this last Saturday, uh, preaching and trying to uh, avert people from killing their children. And there was an entire new group of volunteers, twenty volunteers, and these people represented. Um, how do I say this? They had this physiognomy. What is it, Jonathan? Again, physiognomy. So it says a person's facial features or expression, especially when regarded as indicative of of character or ethnic origin. So they represented their belief system and it was demonic. They're the children of Baal. They're in there trying to sacrifice children to the devil in a sense. Uh, And it it showed on their faces. So that's why when you said that it it manifested in that person, Mm -hmm. made me think of these people as I'm looking at them like, Wow, appearances and everything, but this is indicative of what's going on in their lives with the influence from demonic forces, no doubt. What's the connection then between that reality of these beings, whatever their nature or you know origin is, and then the practices of the occult, and how how sensitive should we be as Christians? You know, because there's always this you know, well, we don't want to be legalistic and this and that, and it's just fun and games and. Like, how big of a deal is uh, not only, obviously, occultists who are actually formally into it. Like, they're in a a coven. They're in these things, right? But what about the fun and games aspects of it, whether it's movies or music or playing with Ouija boards or going to a psychic and have my future read or, or those sorts of things? Is or, or reading the horoscope in the newspaper. I don't know if you guys know what that is. It was a, actually a publication yeah. that used to get printed. It was called newspapers, and they would go to houses. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you would have your horoscope in it, right? Is that funny games? Obviously, I mean, what should our response be to that stuff? I, mean, I think, what, I think as we should Christians, be vigilant against it, and I, especially with children, I, I, I find it. It's not ironic, it's actually, it makes the most sense, is that these sorts of ideas about magic and wizards and all this stuff is, is, is heavily marketed towards children. It's almost Big as if they're prepping their, their young, impressionable minds to accept this kind of stuff. And yes, it's, you know, you're watching Harry Potter or whatever, and, it, and it, like you said, it's fun and it's seemingly yeah, innocuous. But I can't help but think that as you get older, you're more open to the idea that there is there yeah. is something there is something it, to it. It's desensitization. It gets everybody accustomed to seeing that. So if you, if you do hear something or see something about that as an adult, it's not that outlandish. It yeah. gets normalized. Like, if we talk about like the Harry Potter and, and the, look like at the Bible Disney specifically Disney deals with sorcery and it talks about witches and it talks and it, you know so these are not. These are these are not. Think, um, think of how communing with the dead is 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 mm. so like is so ingrained in our culture. Yeah. Like you look at Disney movies; they're always communicating with, with dead yes. people. Always, always, always talking to them. Yes. 
and, and how do we see that, uh, you know, met it out in adulthood? They, you know, they, talk, they, they still talk to their, to their dead relatives. Right. And yes. just, or people which talk is like strictly that. forbidden. Or they'll say, say I know Grandpa's still with me. Grandpa still, with Grandpa still talks right. to me. Grandpa yeah. still. You know, I talked yeah. I talked to my husband who, who passed yes. away. To, to your point with like the Disney movies and stuff, it seems like they might target children that are a little more volatile because those movies, stuff like that, kids' movies, it always seems like there is some sort of correlation to that child losing a parent or parents. And it starts with trauma. And then, and then people that can relate to that mm. get sucked more into that. And those are the people that maybe are a little more susceptible. It's, yeah. it's, it's not unthought out. Well, even even Christians, I mean, we don't <laughs> wrestle against flesh and blood. We we wrestle against demonic forces. And, um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier how we don't want to look for a demon under every rock. There's a lot of, at least in the movement that I grew up in, like if you smoke cigarettes, you got a, you know, a nicotine demon right. indwelling you and they would try to cast it out of you. Uh, that's not the answer. And the, the other side of the spectrum, the answer is not, well, let's just... The Lord's in control of everything. Let's try to close our eyes to it. So what is the balance? You alluded right. to this. How, how do we juggle spots? this in day-to-day life? So today I go home, I finish work, you know, play with my kids, my wife, turn on the TV, uh, talk to my neighbor. You know, uh, how at work and in the world, what am I to look for that would be perceived as demonic in, in a you know, general Sense. I mean, I think anything particularly that is drawing you away from the truth. So <clears throat> there's a sense of entertainment um, where you can like watch these things if you understand the reality of like not following or pursuing. But like when the Bible talks about these things in a real way and it gives you like clear imagery, I mean, at, at times of like, you know, possession even. So, you know, like I, I don't think the line is to draw like you can't watch certain movies, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, but like also like what are you watching the movies for yeah so like for me I love horror movies I think you do too like we've talked about them but like I don't watch them in a sense of like I'm seeking this I know like I know the reality like when someone's possessed in a movie I'm like ooh, you better know the Lord like you know in my head I'm thinking that like I'm like man they're gonna die but (laughs) and so like there's a sense of the entertainment but like I know the reality of that so like my child isn't gonna watch something particularly like that and even if it's it's something like Disney, explaining to her like the truths um, that lie within that, you know, like mm-hmm. there are some things that you need to be cautious of. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus teaches us about. This is what Jesus uh, frees us from mm-hmm. as they come up. Um, but like I think Jonathan said, like you know, you need to be vigilant. You need to be aware. You need to be um, actively paying attention, not just of your own children. Um, but your own life as well. I think for adults too, like we're like, ah, oh, like we know not to believe in like sorcery or whatever. But it's like, okay, but like, are you becoming so entrapped with it? Like, um, like here's a, a real example. Would you binge watch Harry Potter ten times before you open up your Bible? Like, what is like? Why are you so focused in on that? And like for me, like if I'm watching a horror movie, it's it's after I've done like everything like I need to do. You know what I mean? Like I'm spending more time in the scriptures. You put on the armor of God. Yeah, right, yeah. And and I'm not like watching it trying to seek out like some kind of truth. Um, Another thing like practically I think for for parents to at at least look at is Halloween, right? So I don't, like our our family is not under the conviction that like our our two daughters can't do trick-or-treat, right? Like we don't particularly have a problem with Halloween um, as a household. Um, but there's also been a shift and what happens at Halloween. Now, there are people, I can guarantee you here in Medina, because um, I, I know them, I know a few people, that like that's a time of sacrifice for them. Like it's it's really weird. It's, it's very oh, much it's like engraved in the cult. It's but a religious, like, it's I a mean, it's their, it is their right. high holiday. Like that is the, that is the pinnacle of their year. Is to get to Halloween time. A right. lot of people are like that with Christmas as well. <laughs> well so, so, so that's what I was going to say. So there's like a, a lot of like what we do, like even with Christmas um, and how it's practiced, that's like really wrong. But I don't think you have to like divorce yourself from um, the activity altogether. So like for trick or treat, we've we've fallen under. They can participate and go on and knocking on doors, dressed up as cute little princesses, and and see that's get a, a good game. point. What you're mentioning because here's where I so in Deuteronomy 18. The children of Israel are about to go, you know, take over the land in, in Canaan, mm-hmm. the Canaanites, and there's express command from God 
to not follow the practices. The abominable, and that's a key word, abominable. This is what God thinks. He thinks it's an abomination, right? So he says, starting at Deuteronomy 18, starting verse 9, he says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. I just want to stop real quick here. Some translation, modern translations, and you can easily translate, learn to follow as imitate. Okay, so it's it's like, do not act like this. Don't look, don't follow this, don't pick up these patterns, don't don't even imitate it, right? And then he goes on to say what they are. They shall not be found among uh, you, anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Now, I want to stop right there, right? When we talk about Halloween and trick-or-treat, I do press on this issue here. I, when you believe that, that those who do these things are an abomination, God looks at that and hates it. I can't wrap my head around a Christian parent dressing them up like an abomination. I guess, I'm sorry, you say, well, you're being legalistic. I, I don't know. I just can't wrap... God says, I hate that stuff so bad that it's an abomination. He also calls homosexuality an abomination. And it makes me wonder how many of us would let our kids dress up like homos, you know, and go, I don't think we would. We'd go, no, 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 no. No, you're not going to dress like a drag queen. You're not doing, well, why would they be allowed to dress like a sorcerer or like a necromancer or a charmer? He says, whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Like, this is a big freaking deal. Because they're doing this, I'm driving them out of the land, right? This is like way up on God's chart of stuff he hates so bad he's driving them out of there for this. He says, you, however, you shall be blameless before the Lord your God for these nations, which you're about to dispose of. They listen to fortune tellers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So when we're dealing with that kind of stuff, it's like... It'd be like man, like your wife, like she like literally hates something, and you're like, I don't really care. You know what I mean? And this is God saying, I hate these things. They disgust me. They totally are disgusting to me. And then for us to trivialize them, I don't I don't know how that squares when you're dealing with these occult practices to trivialize them and say it's fun and games. But God doesn't think it's fun and games. And that doesn't mean your child is a necromancer. I'm saying even dressing one like like up like one or showing them the movies and making that seem like it's harmless. I don't think God thinks that stuff is harmless. That's, he was so mad about it that he's driving them out of the land over it. So that's I'll, I'll quit preaching. But that, like I think that you never hear this stuff in churches. And I think maybe somebody listening to this they thought may never have crossed their mind even. Like, oh, <coughs> crap, I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I, I think one of the reasons that a lot of people uh, are so into, you know, any side of the spectrum, the low end, like, you know, super into Halloween and dressing up like demons and all the way up to Ouija boards and beyond, um, is they're seeking for something greater than themselves. And John Piper points out that that's why... Uh, that's because they were made to seek for something greater than themselves. That's true. That's why we like roller coasters and some people out of their minds like climbing up mountains. It's, it's thrill. They're looking for greatness. And what they don't realize, most people, is that greatness is only found in God. And he is the, he is the being that we are to cast our vision on and be enthralled with him. So I do like horror movies. And I do like it for the thrill, but ultimately, uh, my fulfillment and my awe and fear should be of and in the Lord. And that's, mm. I think that's a good point to make uh, as to why so many people are looking around for excitement and satisfaction in darkness and even good things too. It's because they're looking for God in all their home places. Good point. Did you want to respond? He said a lot there. No. I don't know if he's speaking directly to you or... or just yeah, I mean... No, no, no. no. He said... It sounded like he no, was so looking at me, but he was definitely 
It was directed at you. Michael. Michael said he's he's not. He's, they don't do that. And I I, I would not pastorally. So we do. Me, my family we do. We don't celebrate any Halloween trick or treat. None of that, right? But I cannot extend my conviction like that as to some kind of law. Sure. But I would say that. So if you're going to participate in trick, so in other words, I would make a distinction between trick or treat and Halloween. Like if you're going to go there, you got to you got to draw that line. We're doing trick or treat. We're not doing the pagan holiday of Halloween where we're dressing up like the devil or a witch or whatever. We're not doing that. We're not going to glorify evil. But if some little girl is dressed up like uh, a little princess or whatever, or Johnny is the football player, I can't go so far as to say, well, you can't do that. The Bible doesn't say that. He specifically lists out the things that he thinks. And football players and little princesses, they're not on that list. Gary, what if I dress up my kids like Martin Luther and make them knock at every door with Happy Reformation Day? What is I want them to do is go up to doors and start pounding on them with nails. <laughs> 95 <Yeah>. pieces on each <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, just to, just to respond. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's it's wise, like, at all um, to, to dress up or glorify evil. Um, again, there's, like, a sense of, like, the entertainment of, like, what you're watching, but, like, what your hope's in or where your fear lies. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that um, we should be sending our, our children dressed up as, as demons. And I know that it's it's been done, and I'm sure, like, when I was a child, I put on a scream mask, and um, I I can tell you... Oh, I dressed I, up like all that as a kid. I can, I can tell you for sure that... And, and I never thought anything of it, and I, there was no bad intent. So, like, I would say my heart wasn't in the wrong place, but I, just, I don't think it's wise. <laughs> like, even, like, just... Like, how close to the line do we want to get to... Yeah. to right, when are we glorifying exactly. things yeah. that God? Yeah, for me, what's helpful for me is, like, what is the motivation behind it? And I've heard the argument, well, I'm going to sort of sanitize it, and I'm just going to put up leaves and pumpkins that aren't carved Carved into jack-o'-lanterns and I won't have any, you know, ghosts or goblins or anything like that. Just make it kind of like a harvest celebration. The question is why? Why? Why are you, why do you feel the need? Why is there a strong desire to participate in this thing? And And like carving pumpkins? Yeah. So, so for like, so I think that is, that is part of it though. It's like, so, so like, I think you can take, take something that like was, was maybe intended as evil and then it's become like a tradition where it's like there's no evil practice in it so like carving yeah. so like carving pumpkins for instance like uh with our kids you know Maley will like you know put like a little smiley face like we're not carving out like you know yeah. satan or 666 and sure and it i mean i, I think you can there's take grace for that stuff like that's because the bible doesn't condemn Carving pumpkins. For me, you know I'll what I'm saying. I'm speak, the same way yeah, as you. I'll speak personally. I don't I'll, do. I'll I, I, I'm with you. But there's I'm so saying. many different ways that I can entertain my children without like Mimicking. stepping towards the line of Mimicking. celebrating Halloween. I, I'm with you. What I'm saying is, is like just pastorally, some of this stuff we have to leave to the issue of conscience. Where you know where the line definitely here's the line. I wouldn't be playing Ouija boards. Yeah, that like, crap, that's You know what I'm saying? Like this, just right there in the Bible says, don't do it. But stuff like what you're talking about, where it's like the Bible doesn't condemn that, just in and of it. So if you did that in the middle of July, you took a pumpkin, cut it out, and made a smiley face on it. Like So there's nothing extra. I have your conviction, though, in my house where I don't want to, I don't participate in Ramadan. I don't participate in any Buddhist holidays. I don't do Passover. I don't do anything but Christian holidays. And so in my mind, all of it is a pagan holiday, and I think we can participate in some of it and with a good conscience yeah. on some of this stuff. But I just draw the line hard. But I can't apply that to everybody on the stuff that's not directly a cult. Well, so, some platforms can be redeemed. For instance, you know, rap is notorious for you know sex, drugs, violence, and it's been that way for decades. It did, I don't think it started out that way. It got that way in the '90s, really. But just in the last decade, reformed rappers, Christian rappers, have started to redeem that platform. Some of them not as much as others. So, I, like Paul Washer told a bunch of reformed rappers, you guys have redeemed this genre, which was taken by the devil. And just like with Halloween, I mean, I make an emphasis. It is Reformation Day at our house. Yeah. And I teach my kids about the Reformation. And when they go and they get candy, does everybody know why? Why is it Reformation Day? Because Martin Luther nailed the ninety-five theses on the the uh, castle or on the basically the billboard, the town billboard. And he said, "This ain't uh, a 15, trick. This is a treat." <laughs> October October thirty-first, uh, fifteen seventeen. And then he said, That's "I got ninety-nine problems, but the Pope ain't one." But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I teach my kids, and I'm redeeming that. Now, I don't... So, for, my, for one of my, my youngest... Christians celebrate a Reformation Day on right. October it's 31st. All, all Saints Day. We've walked All Saints that's Day. That's what it was. Yes. Um, and, but, you know, one of my youngest daughter wanted to dress up. It's, it wasn't a witch. It was some... I, one of those, like, uh, kid... Oh, gosh, I can't remember. It was some kind of, like, cute little witch you know, shows that they have. And I said, no, you're not going to do that. Because for me, that is the line. I think there's a platform that can be redeemed. And then there are aspects within that platform that need to be pushed out as a result of the redemption of that platform, if that makes sense. I think that's a, I think that's a good idea is to, to supplant the occult holiday with something else. And I then that's push, probably a good idea. Yes, anything that's associated with the occult within that, right. you remove that, that right. cannot be redeemed. There's no yeah, good way. Reason, I don't think you have to crawl in, into a hole so on October 31st is, no, while the world does. And I will still holiday. invite people. Like for the first time, we're going to have trick or treaters because I, for the last ten or fifteen years, we've been out in the country and we haven't had nobody, not one person. But we, I'm we're coming to your we're, house. We're, we're, yeah, so I'm going to be passing out gospel tracts yeah. and giving them, you know, you a go. little candy bar or something like Did that. You, but you bring not, me cheesecake, by the way. Dude, I forgot. Oh, I literally dude, I will drive to your house today to get some of that cheesecake. <laughs> it's good. Oh, the one from the... Yeah. Hey, for oh, yeah. the record, can I drive down and you'll give me some? Yeah, I'm not going to be home, but yeah. All right, you're, it's it's on the podcast. The key's under the mat. <laughs> it's unlocked. Come on. Gary doesn't lock anything. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't. Except for that room in the oh, basement. Oh, man. I know whose house I'm going to be at when you're gone. Next. Hey, somebody breaks into my house, they better pray to God I'm not home. I'm just telling you, that would be a bad move. Because he will yell. <laughs> Gary I can scream so I can, loud. <laughs> Final, but no, so final the point thoughts. though is that the reason why all of this is because of how serious God takes it. One, that's a good enough reason in itself. But two, it's dangerous. It's de- the, the, the demons that are behind this stuff and are are seeking like their perverse glory through these practices. That is that is dangerous, right? Stuff. Can, can, so, so if I give my last two cents, it would be. Um, if you're in this right now, make sure that you do not self-reform. Jesus talks about right. the man who had a demon and he self-reformed and the demon left and he came back with seven demons more wicked. And this is exactly what happened to Israel yes. when Jesus came to them. Uh, you know, they self-reformed, the demon left. And then once he died and, you know, the covenant curse was on them, uh, seven more demons come back, and Josephus talks about demon manifestations in that interim between Christ's resurrection and the destruction of Jerusalem. But don't self-reform. You, the, the answer is what the Reformation is all about. It's yeah. justification by faith alone, uh, in Christ alone, by grace alone. D- don't don't go to yourself. Don't go to a therapist. Don't you know? Go to Christ because He's the only one who can cleanse that demonic influence in your life. Otherwise, you're going to get sevenfold judgment back on you with more dynamic, demonic influences. Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, we hope that this podcast helped you to put Jesus in the perspective. If you have any questions about this podcast, a previous podcast episode, or about a relationship with Jesus, please email us at engage at newhilloh.com. If you have uh, questions, you can also send them in to uh, newhilloh.com slash ask. And we'll get back to you. All right, church, go honor God in all that you do. Observe the things he's commanded. Provide to the needs of others and extend the offer that's been extended to you. Peace. Dos Boom.